everybody and welcome. You are listening to the Power Hour here at CJLO 6090 AM in Montreal. My name is William Power. I'm with my buddy Dominic Demeester. Dominic, we got uh, crazy, I'd say, last week or so uh, with the deal to Kyler Murray being dealt by the hours in the Cardinals. We have a few uh, PUP lists to talk about, some free agency, uh, all that good stuff. But Dominic, first and foremost, how are you doing? Amazing, William. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for asking. Uh, always a good time uh, when it comes to talking football. So let's jump into it right away. Uh, Kyler Murray, Dominic, getting a five-year, $230 million contract extension, $46 million per year. Uh, it was funny. My buddy Terry uh, texted me after this broke, and he's like, okay, well, you got to admit, like, now Dak Prescott's deal is like a steal <laughs> compared to this one. And I said, well, yeah, like I'd say, I, I would still take Kyler Murray over Dak, but yeah, this is... Uh, Crazy Dominic, $46 million, excuse me, uh, per year uh, on the five years. And just, just think about like how a few months ago we were talking about the fact that he unfollowed the Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals are going to have to get a new quarterback. Uh, things aren't looking that good in Arizona. We weren't even sure if he was going to be on the roster coming week one. And now he's getting this massive contract, Dominic. I'm curious to get your thoughts on this big Kyler Murray deal and the Cardinals. Hey, I wouldn't have done it, but the Arizona Cardinals are all in with Kyler Murray. The reason why I say I would have done it, it just seems like a lot of money and a big contract for a guy that just had one of the worst playoff games we've seen from a quarterback in a while. That said, they're still going with Kyler Murray. We'll see who the real Kyler Murray is early on in this NFL season as DeAndre Hopkins will be missing roughly the first eight weeks of the NFL season, which will clearly impact Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. That said, maybe there's an extra, you know, flame under Kyle Murray's ass right now. <laughs> the money has been paid. Now you got to perform. No more excuses. Big things for Kyler Murray or else the Arizona Cardinals are in big trouble. I like what you said, Dominic. I agree with the take. I agree with a lot of your takes. I wouldn't have done it either. This is kind of how I break it down, Dominic. What has Kyler Murray done to show he deserves this contract? I think even the biggest Kyler Murray fans would say, like, his performance on the football field hasn't been worthy of the contract that he just signed. Now, that's one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it that, that, people and like that like the deal or people that just understand what the Arizona Cardinals did here is they want to make sure they have their guy, right? And is Kyler Murray worth right now? Is he worth $46 million a year? No, he's not. Um, I think like the majority of people can agree on that, but they want to ensure, make sure Kyler Murray is happy and they want to make sure that he's a start, their starting quarterback for the next few seasons. And whether that means overpaying him or not, look, I, I guess to them, I wouldn't say it's irrelevant there, but at the end of the day, they just want to make sure they have their guy. Um, and look, I don't, I don't disagree with the fact that they want to get a deal done with Murray that is over a few years. I, I haven't been a big believer in Kyler, have not been a big believer in Murray since he started, but that's not to say like, look, he won't have a few more years uh, up ahead. He's still young, uh, still like to developing his game from college to the NFL, I guess you can say. Um, so I haven't given up on him at all. So I don't mind like the five-year extension, but $46 million a year is 
is just too much, Dominic. And I, I get that like you want to have your guy. And this guy was taken first overall. Um, and he's a crazy athlete, right? This guy was drafted by the Oakland A's. Let's not forget that. Uh, but I don't know. I just think that like these deals that we're seeing being done, Dominic, around left and right now around the NFL, especially with quarterbacks, like I, I just think it's too much. And not too much because Kyler Murray can't be worth it, but it's it's putting your team in a tough situation because you're paying him all this money. It's less money to get free agents. It's less money to get other guys. What happens when DeAndre Hopkins' contract is done? And you bring up a good point, Dominic. His when when the team has needed them the most, Kyler Murray unfortunately hasn't been there for them. Of course, it's a fun player. It's fun that he could run. He has an arm. I just think his maturity level hasn't been where they had hoped it would be. Um, in, in his young season. But yeah, for me, if I got to say, I got to make a quick decision on it. I think this is a mistake by the Arizona Cardinals, Dominic. It definitely seems like a mistake because of the money they're investing in the QB. Granted in 2022. Now the market is always rising. You look at Pat Mahomes contract and where he's at. Callum Murray, 46 million a season. Pat Mahomes just underneath $45 million a season. I think Pat Mahomes deserves a, a raise, but yeah, that's not, ridiculous. He's not gonna go, he's not gonna go chasing the money. He signed a massive contract. It is what right. it is. And uh, we just gotta go with whatever the market is currently paying. And Kyler Murray got his big payday. And I'll tell you one thing: you gotta admit that I love the commitment. That is bold, that is strong. Mm-hmm. You need an organization to really be committed. And once you're committed, then, you know, hopefully it works. Otherwise, the heads will roll. The whole shebang gets revamped. But Cliff Kingsbury has showcased a very peculiar offense that can be successful. And it really obviously will revolve around whether Kyler Murray can execute it and be accurate. Out of college, he was an accurate quarterback. So Mm. it's going to be very difficult in the beginning of the season for him to establish himself and create a rapport uh, with uh, somebody that uh, was unexpected. But if I could point to one tight end that actually will help, the first guys we think of is Zach Ertz. But I'm yeah. not going to go there. That okay. obviously is the key to this offense. But they added another gem in Trey McBride. Remember the name, Trey McBride. He might be in a safety outlet for Kyler Murray for those first eight weeks of the season alongside Zach Ertz. If they use him and if he executes like he did in college, good things could happen for those Arizona Cardinals. They could ride the wave towards DeAndre Hopkins. Hopefully they're over 500 at that point in time. And then maybe make a push for the playoffs and let the chips fall where they may lie after that. So all that being said, it could be the beginning of a great career for Colin Murray. But like I said earlier, the fire is under his ass. The guy needs to produce. Now's the time. For sure, Dominic. Uh, I like uh, I like your takes on guys. You know, people don't talk about that much. Trey McBride, I can't lie, Dominic. I didn't even know he was on this Cardinals roster. Uh, I guess quickly, Dominic, because uh, I know that you like to dive into rosters. What is it about McBride that you think could potentially be uh, why he could be up and coming, a rising star for this Cardinals roster? Number of reception and the ability to run routes. These are traits that you absolutely need to be successful as a tight end. And the more sophisticated you can run routes, the more opportunities you're going to get to touch the football. So Mm -hmm. therefore, Trey McBride could be a safety outlet that no one sees coming for those Arizona Cardinals. Not necessarily something big, but Mm -hmm. enough to actually cause a mismatch for the opponent and create great positive yardage 
moving forward towards the goal line where Trey McBride can shine and get some touchdowns. We'll have to wait and see, but that combo, you're going to have to create something, Cliff Kingsbury, and my mm-hmm. money's on Trey McBride. Good take, Dom. Um, McBride, if he, they could get any production out of him, with this roster, I think that would be a bonus. you got D-Hop, uh, obviously probably going to miss against the first six to eight games. Tough excuse me, situation there. But still, you got more. Uh, the speedy guy, uh, second year in the NFL now. I really like him. Then you got Zach Ertz, you got A.J. Green, and you got Hollywood Brown, right, Dominic? And Hollywood Brown is a guy that, you know, can create uh, mismatches for the defense because of his speed and his, uh, you know, his electricity, really, as you can see, on the football field. Like, now for Kyler, this is a good roster. This is a good roster here. You still got J.J. Watt. You got a solid defense here. You got Kingsbury, who I believe in as an offensive coach, as as the head coach of the team, but obviously uh, offensive first-minded guy. It's, you know, we talk about pressure. We talk about pressure on quarterbacks. I think this contract for Kyler Murray puts a lot of pressure on him. Um, and ultimately, when I say I think it's a mistake, I don't think it's because he he's a bad quarterback. I don't think it's because uh, he's shown us that he cannot be the quarterback that the Cardinals were hoping when they took him num- number one overall. I just think it's like you look at these uh, first two seasons, and unfortunately it hasn't been great. And that playoff game, Dominic, was was god awful, right? Like he throws two interceptions in that game against the Rams, no TDs, goes 19 of 34. I'm pulling up the stats, 137 yards. He had a QB rating of under 41. Um, and this Cardinals team started off hot. Remember, Dominic, when we were talking about are the Cardinals for real? They started off four and they started off five and they started off six and oh. Um, and they weren't really getting the respect, quote unquote, respect they thought they deserved. Um, and I think which ultimately proved right because like they were, I guess you can maybe see pretenders in the fact that. People did not see them as the top of the NFC. They still saw Tampa Bay, you know, Green Bay, uh, and the Rams as like teams ahead of these guys. So what is it you think Kyler Murray is going to have to do? Is he going to have to make this playoffs this season for Arizona, win a game, or making the playoffs just be enough this season? Or do you think he's going to have to, like, you know, push and eventually uh, within the next two or three years, bring this roster to to a Super Bowl, uh, maybe not a Super Bowl win, but at least Super Bowl contention, uh, NFC championship game would be great. Um, because, like, you don't pay this money, Dominic to just secure a guy. I mean, ultimately that's what they did here, but when you're paying $46 million to a, to one player that's getting more than Patrick Mahomes, like you said, you're expecting Super Bowls. And with this roster, I can see this team being dangerous in the playoffs. Ultimately, I don't think Kyler has what it takes to win a Super Bowl within the next few years. I could be wrong, but what do you think right now for Kyler Murray, Dominic, is like a sweet spot as to, okay, Kyler did his job, he potentially earned his money and like, look, let's see what happens later on. What does he have to do with these next, like, I guess I would say this next season or the next two seasons, if you look at it that way. There's only one answer to that, William. It's become an ultimate superstar in the NFL. He has to elevate his game like no other quarterback. And he has to become the epitome of a great hybrid quarterback that can run, throw on the run and be accurate. And he's got to obviously avoid injuries. With his size, we have to admit, it only takes a couple hits in the NFL. You're on the injury bench and uh, running it for a couple games, and that could be enough for not making the playoffs. So staying healthy is number one. And then becoming this, this big, massive superstar, I think Kyler Murray needs to gain confidence and blow away a guy like Lamar Jackson out of the water and showcase the people that you could throw and run 
because he's going to need to run. Bar none. This guy is fast. If you do not use his talents, you're just losing. So he's going to have to run. And uh, I expect big things for Kyler Murray. His contract obviously expects big things for Kyler Murray. I think it's going to start off a little slow. It's going to get people worried, but it's going to kick into another gear roughly around week three of the NFL season. Yeah, uh, I get what you're saying, Dom. And I think like something that like I think about is crazy how like just they were so I wouldn't say certain. No one was certain, but we just when they seemed to be turmoil there uh, in the desert in Arizona with uh, with Kyler Murray and the team. And ultimately they were get able to get the deal done. So just uh, crazy how kind of things turn. Um, and yeah, Dominic, I mean, I couldn't have said it much better myself. Obviously, he's going to have to be that type of guy. And I think he's going to have to use his running ability to his advantage. The only thing that my main knock on Kyler Dominic for now has been, I feel he sees his first read and if it's not there, he's, he tucks it and runs. And of course, with a guy that's as shifty as him and hard to tackle as him, like, like running is, is not bad. But when, you know, NFL defenses, you, you know, Dominic, you've talked about on the show several times, they become accustomed. They watch game film. They know these defenders are bigger, faster, stronger than before. Uh, and really, let's be honest, much bigger than a guy like Kyler Murray. If Kyler's looking at his first read, second, and then tucking and running, it's just not going to work out for him. And I think that's maybe uh, a level of maturity. You know, it's maybe panic. Uh, obviously, you want to trust your legs and and uh, do things yourself uh, when all hell breaks loose uh, type of thing. But I think that's what he's going to have to do better, Dominic. Sit in the pocket, be okay. You can scramble of a scramble to make a throw outside the pocket but just see there look your reads be maturity and have patience in that pocket and then i could see kyler uh becoming one of the elite quarterbacks in the nfl yeah no doubt about it he's coming into the nfl season this year as an underdog after that atrocious playoff game a lot of people have already thrown him under the bus i'm not i'm gonna say well obviously somebody in the front office doesn't think so i'm gonna agree with the, the decision made awarding this guy a massive contract and now he could just like I said, become a superstar that he could potentially be. I love my accurate quarterbacks. I want to see a guy like Kyler Murray put it together, be laser-like throwing on the run and running like a gazelle into the end zone. I think there's a chance in Arizona, beautiful weather. Let's see what happens in the upcoming season. And I uh, got to take into the count, Dominic, think of that division, NFC West. Seattle's gotten weaker, obviously, with the loss there of Russell Wilson. San Francisco, the quarterback situation is still up in the air. Who knows what's happening with Jimmy G? Will Trey Lance start? I think I can see, I, I, I'm going to pick the Rams to win this division, but I can see the Cardinals still finding a way to win this division, Dominic. What are your thoughts on that? Do you agree? 100%. The way you mm. just broke it down was beautiful. The one yeah. thing you could add to that was the Rams maybe having a Super Bowl hangover. Yeah, that could be the um, the one storyline that no one sees coming because mm-hmm. we all expect the Rams to be outstanding. But we all know in history, there's that Super Bowl hangover. So a team like Arizona could do it. Dom, I love uh, their our first conversation there about Kyler Murray, about those Arizona Cardinals. And something you said stuck with me about that hybrid offense, Dominic, and the way that um, Cliff King- Kingsbury runs his offense. Look, I, I think that we've agreed on the show several times that we kind of like different style of offenses. I like the gunslinging, hurry up offense, fast pace, four verticals. You're kind of more of the mindset, you know, the old school run the football through the trenches type of guy. Uh, but that's an exciting football. The like 
just the idea of the, the Arizona Cardinals and, and what we can see. Now with the addition of Hollywood Brown, Dominic, and that speed, and what you bring up a good point off air, is it's, it was his best friend, right, his partner in crime um, at uh, at Oklahoma, and they were just making it look easier, right? Like they were they were putting on video game numbers, and every time it was a long bomb uh, for Sooner Nation, you knew it was going to Hollywood Brown, you knew it was going to be caught for a TD. So I think this is... Very good for those Cardinals to get uh, a guy like Hollywood Brown. And I totally agree that if you could pair him up with DeAndre Hopkins to start the season, it would have been great. But look, maybe it's a blessing in disguise that Hopkins is out. It'll give Kyler time to build or continue to, I guess you can say, shake off the rust of the connection he's had with Hollywood Brown. Obviously, he hasn't thrown to him since college. Uh, and able to, to build uh, trust with his other receivers, too, because he's got other guys on this team that can make plays. Um, so... I think we're going to find out a lot about Kyler early on in the season. Um, and I do think that these Arizona Cardinals offense will continue to push the ball down the field, especially with the speed they have with Moore and Hollywood Brown. And I can see this offense being like you said, Dominic, you know what? No nonsense four verticals. Let's put up many points and let's put up points fast. Yeah. And if we can get the Marquise Brown that torched, your Miami Dolphins oh, in man. his first game as a rookie week one. I think he went off 142 yards, two TDs, roughly something like that. Beautiful, beautiful to see a rookie start a career like that because it just propels him in his confidence. However, Lamar Jackson, no knock on Lamar, but accuracy wise, that's Lamar's issue. Mm. I don't think we're going to see as many problems with Kyler Murray meaning that expect Marquise Brown to really potentially be Hollywood Brown next year. I really have high hopes for him. I think when you bring a guy that has that familiarity, one has to hope that you could be like Jamar Chase and Burrow. But however, yeah. I think that that's a combination in itself that won't be replicated this year. Probably not anyways. But Kyle Murray can get close is what I'm getting at. And we could see that connection happen. And then if you have A.J. Green playing just as a red zone receiver, yeah. big things can happen. Big things can happen. Those weapons are there. And like I said, early on in the show, Trey McBride, a rookie, coming infusing mm -hmm. some energy in that offense. I am really convinced that the Arizona Cardinals are going to do very well this season. I'm glad you brought up AJ Green, Dominic, because I was high on that signing when they got him in the offseason last year. And I thought it was going to work out a little when, when there was games Hopkins missed. Like for me, that was a chance for AJ Green to kind of step up. And look, of, of course, he's older now, right? He's not the AJ Green that played with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, but he's still going to get the job done. He's still like a smart guy, uh, runs good routes, has good hands, and, you know, is, is a guy that really has a, I guess, like a, a, a large. Um, target radius just because he could kind of get up there and, and really get any ball that's that's in his vicinity. So totally think about him in the red zone. You got Zach Ertz in the red zone. Um, and uh, like, yeah, like this could be, I can see these guys rolling even before uh, DeAndre Hopkins comes back. And then to add one of the best wide receivers, if not the best in the game uh, would be something else. Look, and I think we, we talk about like pressure on guys, Hollywood Brown, he wanted out of Baltimore. He's out of Baltimore now. Um, look, I think he could have tried to make it work. And he said, like, the system wasn't for him. Ultimately, yeah, the Ravens do run the ball up. But Lamar Jackson did target him. And there was, you know, maybe he may, may not be the most accurate quarterback, but there were plays that Hollywood Brown should have made and didn't make, and we expected him to make. So, look, you got what you wanted. You're on a different team now. You're playing with Kyler Murray, your buddy. Uh, so, like, 
for Hollywood Brown, just for him personally, Dominic, we're taking the Cardinals out of it. Like he's got to produce, right? And he's got to show he could be a wide receiver one, especially in his first few weeks without DeAndre Hopkins on the field. Yeah, he will. I really have high hopes again for those Cardinals. And I think that at the end of the day, it's going to be a team effort. One week you'll be Hollywood Brown. The next week will be Zach Ertz. Out of nowhere, you'll have an AJ Green week. It's going to happen for those Cardinals. I really do believe. And I think the guy like Lamar Jackson, you know, will be fine without Hollywood Brown. His target, as we all know, is Mark Andrews. So sometimes losing a guy on your football team could be a great asset because in the locker room, there's less, you know, drama. And a guy like Hollywood Brown, for all we know, was a, a drama queen. He wanted the ball and therefore he's going to go get it in Arizona. Yeah. Um, I could see it being exciting, Dominic. You got me actually pumped for this uh, this Cardinals team. Let's see in the division now, Dominic. Obviously, uh, looking a little bit different uh, than last season. A lot different for one team in particular in those Seattle Seahawks. I think it's going to be really a, a fight throughout the the end of the year between the Cardinals um, and the, the the Rams for that division. Uh, I just don't know. I, I, the 49ers really puzzle me, Dominic, because if Jimmy G's playing. I can see him having a good regular season. I could see him taking this team to the playoffs. Ultimately, do I think he could win a Super Bowl? Absolutely not. Uh, but look, what do I know? He was one throw away from being the Chiefs in that Super Bowl, um, as crazy as it sounds. And then you you know you have Seattle that obviously lost their quarterback. You don't know what you have in them. But it's for me, like the, the interesting, I guess I would say, team in that division is actually those 49ers because just the QB situation, uh, losing Raheem Moster, what happened with Debo Samuel in the offseason, that, you know, this is a team dominant, like roster talent wise on paper. Like this is a solid squad. They got a very solid defense. Uh, you have what a lot of people say is the best tight end in football in George Kittle. Uh, I feel like, um, you know, a really, uh, a really important guy to this team, just taking away, taking like his skill, just talking about his leadership ability. I think he's, he's big for them and it would be perfect for a guy like Trey Lance to have a, a young guy just coming into the NFL. So yeah, that's kind of my take on it, Dominic. I could see, uh, you know, San Francisco fighting for that division throughout the season. I ultimately think the quarterback play won't be as good uh, as what they need it to be. I just trust Matt Stafford the most in that division uh, out of all the quarterbacks. So I really do think the Rams will, will come away with that division. Did a really good job of uh, replacing um, OBJ with uh, Robinson there, Allen Robinson out of the uh, the Chicago Bears. So hopefully OBJ is able to touch the field sometime next season. If not, they have a, a fairly good wide receiver to replace him. Interesting division, Dominic. A lot of storylines to, to follow in this one uh, with departures, new guys coming in. Um, and, uh, you know, I think this is one that uh, we won't know until like I'd say week 18 uh, who's able to, to punch their ticket at the NFC West because I can see it being a dog a dog fight throughout. Oh it definitely will be a dog fight throughout and there could potentially only be one team coming out of this division if they all somehow play very competitively against one another and that's what I expect. I really think we're going to see some regressing from the San Francisco 49ers off the gate. I think there's going to be a period of adjustment with Trey Lance. And I don't know if it's going to be uh, too little, too late if they end up starting the season 0-3, for example. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that's going to be the kind of shocker as we enter uh, the NFL season with the San Francisco 49ers. And if Arizona ever starts hot, then wow, they might be the team to beat in the NFC West. We talked about it on the top of the show. 
I think those Rams might have a hangover this this uh, year. I honestly do. Mm-hmm. I saw their Super Bowl ring. Wow, talk about bling bling. These guys <laughs> definitely were partying all off season, but it's going to be tough because Cooper Cup probably had one of the best NFL seasons a wide receiver could ever have. His confidence is through the roof. But again, can Cooper Cup stay healthy? We've seen him get injured a lot in his career already. And I don't know. There's an opening here, buddy. There's an opening, and it's called the Arizona Cardinals. All they got to do is leapfrog over the Seattle Seahawks, who are coming into the season with Drew Locke. Seriously? Is this what we're going to see? I still can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, crazy. I think the Seattle Seahawks will be without Russell Wilson. It just it just kind of doesn't make sense. It's kind of like when you see Tom Brady without the Patriots. Eventually, we'll get used to it, but we'll definitely take some time. I just pulled up the, the Rams Super Bowl ring. Man, yeah, talk about nice. It is beautiful. Uh, love that stuff. We talked about Rams. We talked about OBJ. And, you know, unfortunately, with that big injury in the Super Bowl, how, how much of an impact do you think the loss of OBJ will have on this Rams offense? Because we talked about – you talked about Cooper Cup, and he was, like – Stafford's guy, right? They had like the the connection was like was unbelievable, literally unbelievable. They knew where the guy would be and where he needed to be. It was like they were like twin brothers, right? And like these guys were on fuego. And Cooper Cup was the wide receiver one of that team. Like the bigger name is like well OBJ, you know that one handed catch and like OBJ is obviously still a sexy name in the NFL. And I think even when he wasn't getting targeted, Dominic, like having Odell on the field is difficult for the defense it gives the defense headaches they have to plan for a guy like Odell so do you think uh like I like I said before about like Allen Robinson for example and maybe his replacement or his uh his the role to replace OBJ maybe not necessarily have the exact same role but what I mean is you place a wide receiver with another one uh do you think that this this Rams team will be uh severely negatively affected by OBJ or do you think that the connection with Cooper Cup and with the other solid pieces they have on this offense, they'll be okay to uh, you know push forward through and uh, and potentially get another Super Bowl. It's tough, William. It really depends on your outlook, how you see Allen Robinson. And mm-hmm. the Allen Robinson I saw late last season was a wash. This guy had nothing. The only thing I could say to myself is if maybe the guy already knew that the Chicago Bears weren't going anywhere, he didn't want to get injured, he played it soft, and maybe there's another gear that Allen Robinson wasn't you know, going off mm-hmm. for those Bears. I don't think so. I mean, if he doesn't seem like the player that would actually – you know, not play at his fullest, but mm-hmm. then again, you never know, right? But I'm going to say that this guy's a wash. I think that he's going to be done, and we're going to see it this year, and it's going to affect our friend Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford had everything was just perfect last year yeah. for Matt Stafford. It <laughs> felt like a glove, you know. Yeah. Could have written a better story for the guy, but next year's a whole new season. So if I'm the coach, I'm writing Cam Akers the entire season. I'm making that guy my MVP. I'm throwing the ball to him at least like 60 to 70 times, and I'm giving him the rock minimum 20 times a game. That's how I would do it, but that's not what we saw on this offense. Mm -hmm. So every year you got to showcase something different to the NFL because they're going to have at least three players on Cooper Cup if Allen Robinson is a wash, I'm not a huge fan of Van Jefferson. Yes, you can have the odd mm-hmm. game here and there. But again, we talked about it in the top of the show. This division is very competitive and it could take one victory and you could be out and not making the playoffs. So it's going to be tight. I think the Rams should find a way because 
Sean McVay did win a Super Bowl. He's kind of like climbing the ladder as, as a very good coach. I'd like mm-hmm. to give him some props and see where exactly he can lead this Rams in the upcoming season. Yeah. Um, to answer my own question, I would say that I think it's going to be a bigger deal than people make it seem. Um I get what you're saying about Allen Robinson. Like, if I'm being completely honest here, Dominic, the Bears aren't on TV all that often. And, of course, I've seen, like, him play. Um, but, like, I can't say I necessarily have seen him play enough to to say, like, oh, this guy is, like, uh, a, a game changer. So, like, yeah, of course, he's made games in Chicago where he could be a game changer. And he was, you know, really if you look at like the, the team he played on was obviously the wide receiver one. And like really the, the only guy that could make plays, no disrespect to the other Chicago bears on that team, but like he was a guy people feared. And now you bring him here, you bring him here to the Rams. And that was what a lot of people said about, uh, about Robinson Dominic was that he was underrated, right? He didn't get much TV time because the bears aren't a popular team. You know, not a team that people talk about. Okay. Like, look, being underrated is, is one thing, but like, having to, to fill the role uh, of a wide receiver two potentially now in a team that's looking to win back-to-back Super Bowls is, is, is a big deal. And I'm glad you brought up Van Jefferson because I expected more of him in that Super Bowl. I had him, I believe I had him as my X factor and he didn't really have a great Super Bowl game. And I was expecting more out of him coming from Florida. Look, of course he's young and wide receivers is going to take time. Um, but I get what you're saying in the fact that there could be a hangover. Um, and I just think that for, for these guys, um, one thing that's going to be important is like, you just remembering that like things may not be easy to start the season. I think you said it perfectly, Dominic, like it was a storybook season for the, the Los Angeles Rams. So like people wanted Matt Stafford to get his ring. He got his ring his first year, uh, with the, with the, uh, Los Angeles Rams. It was, it was Hollywood, right? Like it was literally Los Angeles and and you couldn't have scripted it any better, but that may not be the case to start the season. I think that's going to be crucial to see how they, they deal with, with adversity. Um, this team with the, the uh, Los Angeles Rams, but uh, you know, I, I'm kind of with you there with the bounce another team to the, the, the 49ers and that QB situation. It's what do you think tough. about the Seahawks chances this year? Do you think the Seahawks are tanking? Cause I'm getting the gut feeling that the Seahawks are tanking on purpose and they want to draft whoever is the best quarterback coming out of next year's draft. I'm glad you asked because number one, it should be a heavy quarterback draft. I was speaking to Terry the other day and he said, well, you're nuts. But for some reason, Dominic, I don't know why, but I, I just can't give up on Drew Locke yet. Maybe I'm stubborn. I don't know. I just feel like he with Denver. I was really excited to see that offense. Dominic. I was excited to see that trio of wide receivers, the young guys, and they were just never able to stay healthy, but I don't know if I'm a believer in Drew Locke, Dominic, but I'm not ready to say that this guy can't get the Seahawks into the playoffs. So, like, honestly, it's going to depend what happens with the situation of, like, Tyler Lockett because there's been rumors about him being traded, stuff like that. If they have Lockett and DK Metcalf to start the season, Dominic, I wouldn't necessarily call it tanking because I do think that Drew Locke can be good enough for the Seahawks team to make the playoffs. Now, on the other hand, if it starts off sour for these guys and, you know, they start off the season one and three, one and four, I can see this going downhill very quickly for the Seattle Seahawks. And, you know, crazy as it sounds, maybe even playing for that number one overall pick, which, like, who would have thought that would even be possible a few years after they won the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just uh, shell-shocked because, Drew Locke aside, do yeah. you actually think Geno Smith 
could actually be the number one quarterback coming into the NFL season for the Seattle Seahawks. I'm saying that only because of the fact that Geno Smith has been in that system many times. And if you know Pete Carroll's system, we'll find out whether or not Russell Wilson is a great quarterback. Some of them you could already say, look at his stats, blah, 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 blah. He's got a Super Bowl ring. I'm still not sold on Russell Wilson. It's been X amount of years. I'm still having nightmares of that Green Bay Packer game where he won the game by pure luck and he threw like, what, five interceptions. That's who I think Russell Wilson is. Wait and see this season. That said, the Seattle Seahawks, can Pete Carroll transform Geno Smith like a Russell Wilson? Dominic, stop it, Dominic, stop out it. Out of nowhere. <laughs> could, you, could you potentially see that? He outseeds or he just beats out Drew Locke in training camp. I don't know where you see Geno Smith left and right. Why not? I'm going to follow this storyline in the preseason. Who's going to win the QB battle, Geno Smith or Drew Locke in Seattle? I love your boldness, Dominic. If you're asking me blatantly, I don't think Geno Smith deserves to be even a quarterback two on any NFL roster. Dominic, this guy, I find him, I just find him really bad. Like, I don't, that seems like a very silly and uneducated thing to say, but I just find him a very poor quarterback. I don't find he reads defense as well. Uh, there was, he, he has shown a bit of upside. Okay. And, and I do agree with what you said about Pete Carroll's system. Like, and, the system there in Seattle is a different system. And I, I would actually agree that he, in, in the games he has played with the Seattle last season, he was better than I thought. Um, I, I'm saying that while saying he's a poor quarterback. Mind you, it's he's going to have a, a good game, Dominic, every four or five games. If, if Geno Smith starts as a starting quarterback for all 17 games this year for the Seahawks, I don't think they're going to get more than five wins. <laughs> I, I, I'm just being blunt. Like, I just, it's crazy when you think about it because I know this is obviously a completely different game, but I remember watching him at West Virginia, Dominic, and Geno Smith was, man, was he a hot ticket. He was putting up numbers that, like, like in Madden wouldn't even be possible. At one point in the season, he had more passing touchdowns and incompletions. It was a stat that completely boggles my mind to this day. And, like, anyway, just how different the game is. And I don't know if he can is a smart enough quarterback to be even a backup quarterback? So to answer your question, no, Dominic, I, I don't see it happening. I love your boldness and I, it's great, but no, if Pete Carroll, if you're listening to this show, do not under any circumstances start Geno Smith at quarterback this year. Hey, okay. I'm with you, William. Don't get me okay. wrong. I haven't, you know, bought a Geno Smith jersey from the <laughs> Seahawks and going to be wearing it week one. But I am saying the value of a quarterback in a system mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that value, you know, I've seen quarterbacks like Sam Bradford, you know, lose his entire, you know, career almost in that big trade with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Rams, which I thought that he should have stayed an extra year. And mm -hmm. anyways, besides that, Back to Gino, it's the same concept where you have a guy that's in the system. But in this case, you know, they could have got Baker Mayfield. They decided to play, you know, Russian roulette. We're going to wait. We're going to wait for the best deal possible. And they got smoked. Now, you know, Carolina's got Baker. And Seattle must have, you know, known that the backup plan would be either Drew Luck and, and Gino. And if I'm Pete Carroll, you know, he's apparently he's going to be riding Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny as his number one running back. And what? Why, why not Geno Smith as his starting quarterback? It's so bizarre. 
And I think uh, both those players, however, have been in the system a long time. I'm not throwing the Seattle Seahawks down the drain right off the bat because I believe yeah. in Pete Carroll. Mm-hmm. And I think that this guy on any given year could put on a great football team. He doesn't have the Legion of Boom anymore, but he's going to have to come up with something else. Why not Geno Smith? You know, there's one thing we could definitely agree on, Dominic, is that I haven't counted out the Seattle Seahawks either. A lot of people have, and to me, it's surprising. Like, even if you just take away like the fact that they've won Super Bowls and stuff, like, look, when you got a wide receiver uh, duo in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, like, for me, the best of both worlds, you got speed, you got... A guy can take a top over the defense in Tyler Lockett. You have DK Metcalf that is just a, a freak of nature, great hands, potentially could be the best wide receiver in football, in my opinion, uh, has the potential to be that. Yeah, I don't know why we, we people have written off Seattle. Of course, losing Russell Wilson is huge. Um, but Russell Wilson, the year they won that Super Bowl, of course he was great, Dominic, but that defense was, was stellar. That You said Legion of Boom. That defense was the best defense in the NFL. It was scary. Not to say Russell Wilson didn't do his part. Of course he did. He had a great season for them too. But now without Russell Wilson, this team is still capable. They're capable of putting together wins. They were a home team that you know, they play good at home. They, they, they thrive off of the 12th man. And, and like you said, Dominic, a coach like Pete Carroll, a smart coach, a guy who's won Super Bowls, is I'm with you on that one. I'm surprised how many people have already written off the Seattle Seahawks, you know, to being a poor team, not even to the team not being in the playoffs, to being a poor team. I could see this team making the playoffs, Dominic. If I'm being truly honest, I can see them grabbing a wild card spot. You know, I'll say that there's a possibility for sure. And I say that because this division is going to be a battle. And that's how he started this segment, a hard division on, on a yearly basis. Mm-hmm. But now a lot of big boys are out of the division. It's going to make it even more bizarre and competitive because you're going to see coaches having to change their plays. In Seattle's case, redesign another way to win for those Seahawks in that division. And I don't think any of the opposing team knows what's coming because they're so used to seeing Russell Wilson for the past X amount of years. So we'll wait and see. Pete Carroll's the man, one of the best coach, definitely top five coaches in the NFL. I believe in him. He has a Super Bowl ring. Let's see what he can do this year. Kudos to Gino Smith, Dominic. He's in the NFL. He's getting paid millions. Uh, and he's there, right? So uh, obviously he's doing something right. Now, if, if I he could be starter there, I think that would be something wrong uh, by the Seattle Seahawks there. But it's crazy, Dominic. It's going to be an offseason. There's going to be a lot of battles. So really, you never know uh, at the, the quarterback position. Um, and something like that comes up during the year, Dominic, is those battles, right? Like we talked about the San Francisco Fordernings. We talked about maybe the potential of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, and something I had mentioned last week on the show was the battle between Baker Mayfield and Sam Donald where like really I thought Sam Donald would be the front runner as weird as it sounds just because of what they invested in him. But it looks like Baker uh, will be starting from the reports we see. And obviously we don't know is how interesting. And like we talk about like Teams bringing in a backup quarterback, right? Just to like light fire under the guys, but like, okay, look, if you mess up, like now we get another quarterback, right? Kind of like two, like we got Fitzpatrick, two, if you mess up, we got Fitzpatrick to come in. And let's say, you know, Baker, like Sam Donald starts, oh, like Sam, like you, had, you threw two bad picks, Baker's coming in now. Uh, do you like that approach? Like they kind of, you know, you're going to put pressure on your quarterback. I know personally, like, look, we talked about like 
teams and having very solid quarterbacks. As weird as it sounds, Dominic, there's not that many great quarterbacks in the NFL now. And like that's like just saying that out loud doesn't feel right. But when you think about it and you're doing your top 10, like from seven, eight, nine, ten, you can make a case that yeah, you don't I don't really trust this guy uh to to bring a team, you know, to potentially a Super Bowl run. So for me, like I find it a good approach. I don't want to say you can never have too many QBs because obviously you want to have that QB, uh, but just make sure you got the right guy and make sure that you have a guy that's going to lead your football team. And look, if you're not a believer in who's currently at the quarterback position now, maybe you bring in other guys. So I think something that's like like really key is to see uh, the, those battles uh, in uh, in training camp. We talk about a lot about the quarterback battles, but there's obviously battles everywhere, right? Other places, tight end position, running back, defensive line, um, and uh, yeah, I think it's a it's an exciting, like, you know, storyline to follow throughout the NFL offseason. Yeah, a lot of storylines for with regards to QB battles for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're looking yep. at Mitch Trubinsky going up against Kenny Pickett. Early reports is that Trubinsky is doing very well and Kenny yep. Pickett, you know, is right behind. But I think Matt Canada is going to tell Pickett, keep on learning my playbook, you know, learn it by heart from A to Z. And uh, let's get you started slow and let's give the opportunity for Trubinsky. That's my early thought. Back to your, one of your previous questions about what kind of competitions you want to have yeah. for um, a quarterback. Would you want to have a veteran coming in and pushing you and, and kind of like maybe annoying you or maybe helping you? I personally would rather have guys that no one's ever heard of at all. They could be CFL quarterbacks. I couldn't care less. They could mm-hmm. be guys that are not drafted as my backup quarterback. And the reason why I say that is that There's so many athletes around the world. And quite frankly, if you develop somebody in a system for a long period of time, he might just actually get good. And if you lose your quarterback week one because his leg's broken, the season's over. The odds of your backup quarterback marching down the field, winning your Super Bowl. Last guy I heard that was the greatest (laughs) shocker, and he came out of nowhere, but it was because of uh, Phil Simms' injury, was Jeff Hostetler. That was a guy out of the blue. Who is Jeff Hostetler coming in and winning a Super Bowl for those New York Giants? That being said, I don't want to have a veteran. I don't want to have a a young gun, kind of like mid-tier quarterback pushing me. I want no names because that's at least going to provide your quarterback clarity in mind and spirit and being able to execute knowing that there's no one in hell that's going to unseat him as the quarterback. That's just how I would do it. Many people will tell you the opposite, that competition breeds, you know, obsessive compulsive quarterbacks to be even better during practice. So I think that a guy needs to have a clear path, a clear vision. You're drafting him first overall. He knows he's sitting year one. He's there year two, and hopefully he's there for the end of his career. Yeah, Dominic, uh, it's uh, it kind of like uh, little bell when you said there's so many athletes around the world and like that, you know, kind of is, is a testament to kind of the, the way that you've spoken on the show. Uh, like you really feel like there's a lot of these guys, these hidden gems, right? A lot of these guys that come from the woodworks. Just similar to what you said, right, into, uh, before in the show about the, the rookie tight end uh, and for the Arizona Cardinals and what he could potentially do for that team. Because you're, you're really, you're like, you are right. These guys are playing for a reason. These guys are in the NFL for a reason. They're playing college for a reason. They're playing CFL for a reason. Uh, and it's, you know, that is something that, like, you do talk about. Maybe not say 
per se verbatim, but you indirectly talk about, look, there's a lot of guys around, right? And there's a lot of guys in different systems and obviously being uh, in the proper system and one that fits is super important. Um, for 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 you for for your quarterback obviously and for your offense so i think that you know that's something to keep an eye on as well that competition is great but you know there's, there's a lot of scouts right down like the amount of film team that's being watched the amount of coaches per team that you know see games go to college games go to high school games and you can kind of like pick that diamond in the rough type of guy and say look like this guy's you know, people aren't talking about him, but like he does this well and this would fit well with our team. You know, I like the way he did that. Like it just takes one, right, Tom? It just takes one scout to kind of pick a guy and say, I'm going to give you a chance. And then from there, who knows, right? Oh, 100%. Your, your franchise is a complex mechanism from the president down to the water boy. Everyone has a role. It's like this mesh of players and, 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 and plays and mm-hmm. just like camaraderie all together creates a football team. And to me, anybody walking down the street that is fit and that's an athlete, <laughs> you know, you put them in a system. Granted, we all know that there's people that are faster than another, but the system of football, if you have, you know, the right physique for the right position and the coach has a vision, it can happen. It's one of those weird sports where I don't think I could come up with another example because there's so many pieces to the puzzle. But the yeah. point that I'm trying to make is that it's a system and it's such a complex system and you're, you have so many people involved in getting it together. And I think that that's why on any given Sunday, a team can win a football game by an inch. And it could be the backups that actually win against the best players in the NFL yeah. On, on any given day. So that's what it's, it's so special. And that's why I have a lot of confidence that if a player is given an opportunity mm-hmm. and then gains their confidence, yeah, the sky's the limit. I think that the system creates a team effort to create a victory, the W, which is what every franchise looks for on every Sunday. I ultimately believe Dominic, that like football is the, like number one team sport. Like I, I do watch a lot of basketball. I watch some baseball, some hockey too. And like, look, there's, there's different aspects of different sports that, you know, uh, really require uh, team sports and, and everybody to participate and, and things like that. Um, but, you know, for me, like, I think you said it well, Dominic, it's, I wasn't even thinking about the staff, but obviously it was the water boys, the, the quarterback coach, the running back coach, the, de- the defensive end coach, all these coaches. And then you got, just think of a, an offense, for example, Dominic. You got the offensive line, you got the quarterback, you got the receivers. If you're missing one of those, it just won't work. You need the quarterback to have time to throw, the relies on his O line. You need the quarterback to have someone to throw to. If he's, you know, if he's throwing to guys that can't catch well, then the O line, the quarterback are useless. And, you know, vice versa, receivers need a quarterback and need O line. So, um, I'm with you on that. And I think that's, that's a really good take. And which is a lot of my buddies, you know, this is kind of off track there, but I talk about the CFL and you know, now like I just can't watch the CFL and I don't give it time. And like, of course it's different than the NFL Dominic, but like these guys are, they're still ballers. They're still guys that, you know, like they're super athletic uh, and they're ultimately playing football like for, for, for the living. Right. And they're, they're doing this because they're good at it. And I think it's just so special when you see uh, these guys giving a shot, kind of like, you know, obviously, as Dolphins fan, I'm biased, right? Tua, Tua 
going in that national championship game against Georgia because Jalen uh, Hurts wasn't having a good game. Ultimately, throws a game-winning TD to Devontae Smith in overtime, and like that was it, right? And then from there, Tua blew up, and it's, I don't know. I just, uh, I think, like, as a Dolphins fan, it's uh, something easier for me to kind of relate to there. But it's really about getting that shot and, like, trusting yourself, trusting your team, and, and kind of... Uh, yeah, relying on uh, on yourself and, and your teammates and other coaches to, to see that little spark in you because it's not like other sports, right? Dominic, football, is, is there's no seven-game series, best of seven. It's you win, you're in, you lose, you're out, and that's it. Like, it's cold, but that's reality of football. Oh, for sure. Best sport on the planet, in my Amen. opinion. I think that, uh, you know, I might make it sound like it's this easy thing to accomplish, but it's clearly not. Mm, no, um, no, no. You yeah. have uh, over... 32 teams in the NFL, all trying to win a Super Bowl, investing millions and millions of dollars. They're not going to drop any Joe Schmo on the street. But the point is, is that they're grabbing whoever they believe is a player that they can develop within a vision, within a system. And I think that everyone is entitled to go either run heavy or pass heavy. And you have to analyze the NFL and how. Everyone does something differently. And then it's like playing chess. You know, it's the mechanisms are are beautiful to watch. And that's what we, we said earlier in the show. It, it, the game sometimes is won by inches. And to me, seeing these gladiators out there, you know, like putting their bodies on the line as a fan, I appreciate it. And I'm sure the entire NFL appreciates it as well. For sure. On that topic, Dominic, guys that, you know, like we may not talk about them a lot and that could be a big benefit to their team and potentially have a, a breakout candidate. Do you see any potential breakout candidates this year? I'm not even talking fantasy and like, uh, you know, guys that you could draft in like the fourth or fifth round. I'm talking about guys, you know, who are on a team right now and who don't have necessarily a big role or maybe even a rookie uh, that's uh, making a name for himself in, in training camp or a guy that we don't really expect to have a good year that could kind of, uh, you know, shock the world and, and be that uh, maybe even number one for a team or be the, the reason that a team goes so far, either offense or decent defense, maybe your Pittsburgh Steelers too. I know you got a lot of young guys on that, on that squad. Do you see anything, you know, thinking about that? Do you like to think about guys that uh, are names that come to mind when I talk about, you know, guys that may break out for a team that we don't talk much enough about. Early on in the off season, I made a bold prediction and I'm sticking with it. It's the New York Giants under head coach Brian Dable will have an amazing season this year. And I'm hoping that they win the division and make the playoffs. I know I'm asking for a lot, but it will all come down to who I believe will lead this team in the right direction. And that's Daniel Jones and his ability to execute, hopefully, Brian Dable's offense. I've talked about it because that wide receiver core, in my opinion, is going to be one of the best wide receiver cores that we're going to see in the entire NFL. And whether or not Daniel Jones can execute is the million-dollar question. Picking up a guy like Evan Neal might give him an extra three seconds, two seconds. Who knows that he will benefit from delivering the ball to guys like Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Sterling Shepard and the rookie potentially of the year, Wendell Robinson. Boy, am I excited to see this kid play for the Giants. And Daniel Jones, buddy, it's up to you. You got the receivers. Put it on. You got Brian Dable's offense. Be the breakout star that I believe you could be this season. 
Hey, Dominic, that's uh, I like it. you're sticking to your guns. You've talked about that throughout the offseason. I like they got obviously talked about Dable, uh, who you really like coming out of Buffalo. And uh, I really think is a steal with that draft pick to Dominic Neal, who I thought was going to go number one uh, overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That'd be something. I, I love the Giants, and I feel like when the Giants are good, it's good for the NFL. And Daniel Jones, of course, like, He's had uh, his uh, his fair share of faults there, and I really like let's not sugarcoat it. A ton of turnovers uh, in the NFL 100%. so far in his career. Hey, did you know yeah. I didn't mention one player that like would be in my mind potentially the MVP of this roster is Saquon Barkley. Right, and that's how convinced I am because yeah. this is going to be not Saquon's show. This is going to be Brian Dable's show. It's going to be an air raid. Saquon will be like, hey, just line me up as the fifth receiver. Look for Saquon to have probably 60 catches this year. Not sure how many yards he'll have as a running back, but it's going to work to Saquon's favor because Saquon is a monster for breaking runs for over 50 yards. It might actually be the best offense for Saquon. We'll wait and see this season, but I honestly think we're going to see great things from those Giants. As strange as it sounds, Dominic, I could see Saquon Barkley benefiting from less touches. You know, that way the defenses, you know, won't stack the box. Because right now you look at that roster and, okay, Kenny Galladay, yes, but you don't know the rapport he has with Daniel Jones. It's really Saquon, right? And that offense, it's like, look, we're not looking to let the Giants run the ball at any cost. So we're going to put, like, a bunch of guys in the box. I you know Saquon's going to have to break four tackles just to get a first down. So now, obviously, you know, if you decide you're not going to do that and you're going to use the play action and spread the ball more down the field and defense got to respect that, then you have Saquon Bark, you know, from there kind of get into his rhythm. So, uh, yeah, I I think it could be uh, – <laughs> I can't believe it, Dominic. You got me excited for Geno Smith for the Seattle Seahawks, and now you got me excited for the New York Giants. Crazy. I love your takes, Dominic. That's what makes the show great. Uh, thank you for the show. Thank you to our listeners. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Without uh, you guys, there really, there really is no show. Uh, hope you're enjoying your summer. Dominic and I will be back next week, next Thursday. Uh, so uh, stay tuned. we got some uh, good stuff planned. Obviously, a lot more free agency stuff to talk about. Uh, so guys waiting to be signed. But enjoy training camp and there is no off season here at the power hour you are listening to cjlo 69 am in montreal <laughs>